Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTID Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets, just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTAD Network. Today, I'm speaking with Jeremy Frisch. Jeremy is the owner and director of Achieve Performance Training. He's a former assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Holy Cross Athletic Department. And while there, he worked directly with the Crusader men's basketball team, in addition to serving as the strength coach for Holy Cross men's soccer, men's and women's lacrosse, baseball, softball, field hockey, tennis, and women's track and field squads. Prior to joining Holy Cross, Jeremy served as a sports performance director at Teamworks Sports Center. He also served as a speed and strength coach for Athletes Edge Sports Training and did a strength and conditioning internship at Stanford University. Frisch is a 2007 graduate of Worcester State College with a bachelor's degree in health science and physical education. He was a member of the football and track teams during his days at Worcester State and Assumption College. So, Jeremy, thanks for your time today. It's really great to, to be able to liaise and get you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Love talking about this stuff. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. So give us the, the backstory. How did you get involved in athletics? How did that become the, the, the kind of career for you? You know what? So I was, uh, I'm the youngest of five boys. So, um, you know, I kind of just followed my brothers around when I was a kid. They were all into uh, sports, uh, particularly uh you know, um, you know, football, basketball, baseball here in the United States, those are kind of like the big, the big, uh, the big sports that most kids play. So I kind of fell right in line with those, uh, with those sports, uh, football was probably my favorite. I kind of, ever since I was a kid, my whole goal was to play college football. So that was my, uh, that was my thing that I always wanted to do. Even though I played other sports, it was always in the back of my mind. Football was probably the most, uh, you know, my, probably my favorite and the thing I look forward to playing the most. Um, you know, aside from that, I just grew up in a great neighborhood. Uh, you know, there's a park about 50 yards down the street on my right. There's uh, woods and trails and ponds and stuff on my left. There, across the street, there was this huge uh, 
sort of hill where there was these massive boulders where we could climb and play like hide and go seek and you know army and all those things so i grew i just grew up in a in an area and at a time where like movement was really important and and uh you know i my parents you know i, I lived in a time when it, like they weren't you know kind of watching your every move you know so i did a lot of exploring in my neighborhood and i did you know obviously with the kids that lived in my neighborhood, we played lots of games, lots of pickup games, basketball, you know, wiffle ball, uh, you know, different types of football, soccer, you name it. I mean, we did it. So, um, you know, ride bikes, things like that. So I just feel like I grew up in that kind of uh, environment. And then, so for me, it was just natural that uh, I think as I got older, um, I would fall in line. I, you know, I'd probably do something involved in sports or movement or training, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, as I got to high school, um, you know, I sort of started to whittle down my sports and sort of, sort of basketball and, and uh, football took kind of center stage. And then eventually I had to make a choice when I, when I did have the opportunity to go to college, I did, you know, I, cho I chose football and, uh, you know, that's kind of where I got into strength and conditioning because my first day, uh, playing college football, I got knocked around quite a bit and I just wasn't big or strong enough. And that's kind of where I found the weight room. Um, and then I loved that. You know, I really fell in love with kind of training and lifting and how it can help performance. And, you know, uh, when I was the first few years in college, there was no Internet, things like that. So I started ordering books out of magazines. You know, I'd read like, you know, some bodybuilding magazine and I'd see the back. You could you could buy different books. So I'd order those mail order books and, and wait six weeks for it to come in the mail so I could read about, um, you know, different types of training. So I think the first one of the first books I ever got was um, uh, from Bill Starr. It was like only the strong survive or something. And it was, you know, football training book. And it was great. It was, you know, squat, deadlift, clean, you know, all those things that, uh, you know, I, probably still important today, but that was kind of the gist of the book. Like, you know, but there was a good, there was a good section on like nutrition. I had never read anything like that before, you know, so I got into those things and, and, uh, you know, kind of from there, I, I, any type of uh, book or magazine or publication I could get my hands on, you know, I was, I was reading about it. So that's kind of how it all started for me. Awesome. And, and did coaching happen after the athlete career or were you doing dabbling in it already while you're an athlete or was it not something that, that you kind of came to until that, that closed out? You know what? I, um, I had took, I had taken a few years off. I changed colleges. And so I was at home, I was just working and, and sort of kind of, um, I was going to school part-time and uh, I was working at the local high school and the principal asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, you're lifting weights all the time. You know, uh, do you want to teach some of the kids how to do some of this stuff in the weight room? And I honestly, I had no idea how to teach. I, I could train myself, but I had no idea how to teach high school kids how to lift. I probably had no business being in there, but at the time there was no one else around that did that type of stuff too. So I was like, that was kind of like my first introduction to, to uh, strength and conditioning, which was great because I had, you know, I learned a lot, like, you know, not everyone can squat the same and not everyone, you know, you gotta, I used to scratch my head and be like, why can't this kid deadlift the right way? You know, it's like, I didn't know what I was really doing, but I was sort of learning as I went along for sure. And then, and then, and as, as my, um, you know, my athletic career was winding down and, and I was going to finish school. I had to do an internship for, for, uh, for straight, for, you know, my major. So I ended up doing, uh, getting lucky and having to go out to the West coast and do a strength and conditioning internship at, um, at, uh, Stanford university. So I spent a few months there, you know, just got to, I basically 
spent day and night in the weight room, different teams, you know, different athletes, just watching, trying to, trying to see how you train the different types of sports and how to teach the different exercises to the athletes. So uh, that was a great, that was a great, uh, learning experience. And then, um, right in my, you know, near my house, uh, near where I went to college, there's another college, a division one school called Holy Cross, where I ended up working years later. But, um, there's a guy there that's been the strength and conditioning coach for years, Jeff Oliver, who kind of was those guys, one of those guys who always had his door open for, for anyone who wanted to come in and, and just hang out and watch their athletes train and, have any questions. So he was another guy that was a mentor for me, uh, you know, coming up when I was younger, because you could just kind of hit him up anytime and he would, he would be free to, uh, you know, share his experiences and the things he knows. So yeah, it was great. It was, it was a really that time during my twenties, you know, finishing school and working and, and getting involved in strength conditioning. I, I look back on it and I've been glad that I got, got to be involved in those things. <clears throat> and obviously you mentioned you, you kind of came came back around to Holy Cross working there within the collegiate program. So how, how long were you there for? What was that like? What sort of teams were you servicing? Yeah. So I was there for two years. So I ended up working at a private facility for, for a little while. And it's really funny that um, this is before I, I had children of my own. Um, you know, we, at that private facility, I worked with, you know, everybody, we had adults, we had high school, college athletes. And then we also had, you know, younger kids, middle school, elementary school age kids. And I used to like, you know, when that, when it was time for those sessions with the younger kids, I would just, you know, I didn't want to do it. I try to pass it off on someone else. I was like, I can't, I can't be stuck here training, training kids my whole life. And, uh, it's kind of funny how things work out, but, um, after working there for you for a few years, since it was a local facility, um, and I knew Jeff from Holy Cross, he had an opening for a position and he knew that I was really into strength conditioning in the area. And so he had called me one day and said, Hey, I think you should apply for the job. If you really want to try being a college strength coach, you know, you should do it. So I applied, I got the job and, uh, you know, I got to become a college strength coach, which is what I really, you know, really wanted to do. I thought so at the time, fast forward a little bit, I start working with kids. I start having children of my own. I start reading books about PE and, you know, and foundational development and long-term athletic development. I'm like, man, I really like what I'm reading. And this is, I really like what I'm doing. And, you know, I felt sort of like when I got to the college age athlete, if those athletes were sort of missing any sort of developmental thing, I think that probably could have been developed, you know, or, or they could have, they could have learned years before it's almost too late. You know what I mean? And so for me, I just kept going backwards and being like, all right, well, if athletes did this at this age and athletes did that at that age, you know, maybe they'd be better off. And then, so I had an opportunity one summer to just work with a bunch of high school, uh, middle school kids in my hometown. Um, and I got really, really busy with it. And so we were about to have another baby and my wife's like, why don't we just, why don't you just, you know, try to give your own business a shot. So, so that's how I, that's how I did it. You know? So it really started out mostly with high school, college kids and some adults. But like I said, as I worked, sort of unraveled the, uh, you know, the way I look when you look at athletes and how they move and then the more studying I did and the more reading I did, I was like, Oh, I should be working with even younger and younger kids. And so that's how it's, you know, now we're down to working with, you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds and just getting them to run around and, and uh, be exposed to, you know, kind of a, a varied environment of movement. So that's, that's where I am now. I love it. Yeah. It's really funny. That's, that's very parallel to my, 
kind of story mm. as well. Like thinking, yeah, I want to go here. I don't want to do the stuff with the 10 year old, 12 year olds. And then you kind of get there and you start going, hang on, I think I need to go back and fix a few things. And then actually, no, I'm going to be, I need to go back a bit further. And as you say, kind of you end up with nine and 10 year olds thinking, actually, this is great. This is yep. where I'm having a, a real impact in it and enjoying it. So what once was it I, like? Sorry. Go for so it. I was going to say, once I realized like uh, to let go, like, you know, I think strength and conditioning is very, you know, and even when I was doing, when I was a college strength coach, it's very robotic, right? Like techniques, everything. Like you want everyone to look the same and, and everyone to move very well. And, you know, all these like drills you do, like A skips and, you know, everything. It's very sort of like, I, I hate to say robotic, but it is, it is kind of like that. And then once you can learn to let that go with children and be like, just go try this stuff and explore and not worry about how so much how they look, but what they're figuring out how to do. You know, once I got that past that, the whole world opened up, you know, for me. Yeah, I think that's something that comes with um, maturity and confidence in your coaching, isn't it? Like I said this to previous people, like you, you can tell a coach who's not very experienced because they want to coach every single rep. And they want every rep to look perfect. Whereas you can, an experienced coach would come and say, right, I want you to have a play around with this. Let's come back in a set and we'll talk about it. And, you know, I'll yep. give you 10 reps and the first two or three reps are pretty ugly and the next two or three look okay. And by the end of the set, you're starting to get the hang of it. But you 100%. figured that out by yourself. You didn't actually need me. And a mature coach is happy to let you go away and do that. But an immature coach wants to be there coaching every single rep and giving you too much feedback and, and yep. overloading you. Whereas that mature coach is happy for that kind of guided exploration. Go away and, and let's have a look if it's safe. It'll let you figure it out. hundred percent. Yeah. You couldn't say any better. It's so true. You know, and I think once I figured that out and I kind of let go and just sort of let the kids figure out what they, they needed to figure out my, you know, coaching for me became so much easier, but in the long run, it became so much better. The kids, you know, the kids obviously developed a little bit more than I ever thought they could. Hmm. So what was it like going from being a, a college level SNC coach to starting your own facility? What did that journey look like? What was the transition like well so you know the with with the snc college snc you you, you have basically have the summers off anyway so i was working uh just part-time um they had a program at the college for high school kids so i was doing that a little bit but then um you know for me it was uh that summer was just trying to get you know it, it all started with like two kids and then two other kids brought their friends and then before you know it the coach found out and then you, you know you you get the word spreads and, and before you know it, you're, you're really busy. So, you know, I went from the beginning of the summer, maybe coaching a, a group of five boys to, you know, coaching maybe four or five groups of 10 kids uh, from different, you know, different sports, different ages and things like that. So I was a little bit limited at first in my space. The space that I had was at like this local gym. Um, so I was limited in the space and the equipment I had. So I, I actually thinking back now, I really love that, that idea that I had to sort of get creative and figure out how to coach all these different kids and how to get them a little bit stronger and, and more athletic with the limitations of both like this, you know, when I was at Holy Cross, I had a weight room full of racks and bumper plates and bars and dumbbells. And now I had like you know, some dumbbells up to 50 pounds, a couple of kettlebells and a medicine ball. You know, I didn't have a lot of equipment. So I really had to get creative there and again, and of course space too. So, you know, it wasn't too long before I was outside at fields, you know, doing speed development work and, and doing things like that and body weight exercises. And it really had, to, I really had to expand sort of, sort of what, what I was doing um, in my own head. 
you know, get rid of the idea that like, oh, we need to just be in the weight room, you know, doing front squats and pull-ups and, you know, things like that. Like there's, there's a lot more out there we can do if we don't have the equipment that will benefit the athlete. So that was a, obviously, a, again, a, a huge learning experience and I'm grateful that I got to do it uh, and learn that way because, um, you know, I'd hate to be stuck in my sort of weight room you got to be in a weight room all the time and got to have all this equipment because it's not true. You can do so much with just uh, minimal equipment, you know? So it's funny. I, when I was um, just to backtrack a little, when I was working the first facility I was working at, we had contracted out a bunch of uh, different soccer teams, uh, baseball teams, things like that. I can't tell you how many nights that I, uh, you know, drove to a, a, middle school or elementary school where they soccer team was practicing and we were, you know, doing warmups in a hallway or I'm, you know, one day, one time, there was one night, there was a gymnasium, but in the gym was also the stage for like the, for the school where they do the school play. And that's the only space that was open. And I was doing, you know, strength exercises up on the stage with the kids because there was another group on the court doing basketball. So it's like, you think at the time it's crazy. You think that anyone saw you doing it. Like they would think you're crazy and some other coach. But the reality is, it's like so many of us have been in that situation. And I'm so grateful to be in that because I learned so much about, about training athletes, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, so going back to my own facility as the, as I got a little bit more money and I got a little bit more clientele, then we were able to expand both in space and equipment as well. So now, you know, probably the last 10 years, we have a, your typical sort of weight room. Um, you know, we have the, the, the all the typical S and C stuff, but mixed in there that you don't see at, at typical gyms, you know, we got our obstacle courses, we have our gymnastics mats, our crash mats, you know, hula hoops, dodgeballs, you know, a, a, everything that you would need to work with younger kids on top of having your typical S and C stuff. So yeah, it's pretty, it's, uh, we got a lot of stuff in a little bit, little bit of space. Yeah, it's awesome. It actually reminds me. This week, I saw someone put out it was on Instagram or Twitter or somewhere, but it said, "Like, if you if you think you're a good coach, try coaching a bunch of twelve to fourteen year olds, and you'll find yeah. out pretty quickly." But I think even second to that is try coaching a bunch of twelve or fourteen year olds with no equipment, because yes. really all you have left is your coaching skills. Um, 100%. You know, when everything's stripped away, when all the fancy bars and plates and racks and everything, and it's all you have to keep their attention and keep them engaged is your ability to, to be a, an enthusiastic coach, but B, you know, that coaching skill of, right. How can we progress your body weight? Whether it's tempo sure. or leverage or unilateral variations, you know, like you strip it right away. And then when you come back to a facility, it's like, Oh, this is the promised land. Like we've got so many more options and it's almost like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not a cruise, but it's a lot easier when you go back into that, that kind of situation. For sure. When I was, uh, you know, what's interesting too, is like I had my facility for the last, you know, 10, 12 years and then COVID hit. And we weren't allowed to go into the gym. And so uh, within like a week, I went from like no work to like being full time. I was, I was training kids in their, in their, in their driveway, in their front yard. So basically they would stand, you know, 20 feet away and I would just tell them what to do. But like the only equipment I had was like what I could fit into my, my truck, you know? So I was driving around town with like, you could see like hula hoops hanging out the side of the car. And like, <laughs> you know, we had like tackle dummies and all these things like just stacked up. And I just, I'd be driving around from house to house with this equipment, just the stuff I could take with me so we could, you know, have a session in, in, in the front. And I, you know, I'd get out, I'd set it up and tell them what to do. 
And then, you know, I would, I'd give myself like, you know, 45 minutes or so. And then I could, I had 15 minutes to get to the next, next kid's house. I'd throw it all back in, spray it down, you know, clean it because we thought everything was like infected, right? It was, nothing was wrong. And then off to the next house. It was pretty interesting. And again, like, I love that idea. I learned so much over that, like sort of four month period that I did that because again, I was limited with my equipment. I had to get creative and I had to be a good coach in order to, 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 you know, be successful. Sounds like a weird version of the ice cream truck coming to the neighborhood. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. So let's dig into the sessions at Achieve Performance. So what yep. does a session look like for, at Achieve Performance? What sort of groups, numbers, ages, content are we talking about? Okay, so typically like a typical day at, the, at my facility, you know, we kind of go from oldest to youngest, right? So the high school kids get out of school first. So those are the, those athletes come, they'll come in right after they get out of school. And that's, you know, your basic SNC, right? Those kids are going to come in. We're going to warm up. We're going to, we're going to stretch. We're going to do, you know, power exercises, plyometrics, medicine ball work. We're going to do some speed development or change of direction or agility type stuff. You know, it's very sort of, you know, that we have it plotted out for each athlete. Some kids like to do it on their own where, so, you know, a lot of times what happens is we'll come in as a kids will come in as a group and we'll warm up. So we'll take like the first 15, 20 minutes and we'll do that as a group. But then everyone breaks off, has their own sort of strength training develop, you know, strength training uh, program, or they might have, you know, some specific speed work that they have to do. So then they, everyone kind of spaces out and they go. And I'm just sort of bouncing around, making sure everyone's doing everything right. If any had any questions, you know, if we want to add anything or take anything away, sometimes we'll start, you know, we'll, we might do a warm up that might be a game. You know, we might play tag or might go outside and shoot the basketball, shoot on the hoop. You know, things like that if we don't want to just do it your typical warm-up um and then the only difference is in the summertime those groups uh those high school kids we also will add like some some real speed development work so we'll meet at the field a couple days a week too as a group so say i have like you know four or five different groups of high school kids the speed development work everyone comes because we got more space outside so everyone will come to those sessions and we'll do a we'll do some type of like speed work, things like that, which is fun too, because then we, we transition like speed work and agility to games and, and, and things like that. So they get, they kind of get that, you know, kind of get that type of training as, as well. It's not just strictly like straight strength and conditioning. We're just not just strength training or, or, uh, you know, you know, the typical, what you think of, we try to make it a little bit more fun, even for them as well. You know, we want them to get out and kind of explore and move as well. So, um, those, are, those outside periods that we do are very important to me. Cause I think, I think those, they don't get that anymore. You know, they kind of, they, even though they're older, they don't, they don't get that play type of element. And I think it's important for them. So moving on from there, we have like a sort of group that's like, um, you know, maybe grade seven through nine. So that kind of like 11, 12, 13, 14 year old age. So, uh, that's a little bit more st structured in the fact that I'm, you know, I want to teach, we're going to probably spend more time teaching, you know, that's where we get the kids in the weight room, teach them how to deadlift and squat and, you know, maybe do Olympic style lifts for the first time. That's kind of what we do there. <clears throat> the warm up period for those kids is a little bit different. Um, we're going to play a lot of games, a lot of movement. We're going to do a lot of like bear crawling and climbing and things like that. I think what happens at that age is the kids grow so fast they get a little bit uncoordinated at times. You can lose speed, you can lose flexibility. So 
I kind of feel like that time, that age, uh, we really spend a lot of time working on those, those kind of filling those athletic development holes. Um, and so we're going to do a lot of those type of movements, a lot. Like, so the things I really like make sure that it's in every program every day, like we're going to work on like some type of balance, like whether it's static or dynamic balance, we're going to get on the ground and crawl or do some type of like, um, you know, different types of reaching or two point balancing on your hands and feet, uh, things like that. Uh, you know, we do a fair amount of climbing or hanging from a bar just for time. I think that's a great one. They sit like this all day with whether they're on their phone or at their computer in school. So we like to do that. Um, and then, you know, other things like medicine ball work, like even teaching kids how to like just throw a ball off the wall as hard as you can is they don't know. Like they don't know how to give like sometimes the kids don't know how to give like full effort. It's just like, uh, right. And I'm like, no, throw it, like throw it as hard as you can get angry at the wall. Like I want to see you use every ounce of your body to put into the ball. So they, you know, you kind of teach them how to kind of use their whole body to do something. And it's because sometimes they don't, they don't know. Um, so those are the type of things we'll hit on uh, again, you know, we'll do resisted runs, you know, different types of um, agility games or, or drills where we're chasing each other or, you know, uh, racing against each other. I love, you know, I love that stuff. Cause anytime you, add those to a training environment, the kids, you know, they, they go into another speed, you know? So, so that's kind of like that age group. And then we have like a younger age group, which is like uh, basically grade three. So let's say like eight or nine up through 11. And then that's like, I'm like, we're playing the whole session is climbing and crawling and chasing and racing and, and, uh, you know, playing different types of games, probably a little bit more complex games because these kids are now playing sort of sort of organized sports. So, we'll, we, you know, we might play flight football. We might play uh, handball or a version of like soccer handball. We'll do stuff like that because the kids at that age, they just they really want to play. They really want to compete. They want to be involved. But <clears throat> we will take a period of time, like in the beginning, maybe the first 15, 20 minutes, do different types of jumps, uh, whether it's like, you know, for me, I usually change it up. It's not your typical like box jumps or like jump and stick. We're doing like hops over like a rope or we're jumping off something and going to land and roll. Like I want to make it a little bit more dynamic. I use a lot of the uh, slant boards where the kids can jump from foot to foot, you know, back and forth. Or we'll do like twist in the air, 180s, 360s, things like that. Like really just, hey, let's try this, guys. Let's let's do all these different movements. So we we try to vary it and then we transition into some type of like speed or chase drill. I like that. So we'll have the kids line up and whatever it is, say for the other day we had a, so basically the other day we, I would throw a tennis ball and against the wall, the far wall, there's like a crash mat up against the wall. So they can, they can run into the wall as fast and hard as they want. So the goal is like, I'm going to throw the ball, the tennis ball. You have to stop the ball from hitting the wall. So they come flying down like full speed, diving, trying to slap the ball away before it hits the wall. They go tumbling in, you know, or sometimes they might get there early. They catch it, run into the wall. I mean, they just really want to run into the wall. Right. But <clears throat> they don't know they're going full speed, but I do. I know they're accelerating all out. You know what I mean? So that's the magic for me. I want to see them sprinting as hard as they can. So that's kind of how, you know, we transition from like the, the jumping and the kind of gymnastics work. And then finally, at the end, we'll play a game, you know, some type of game like might be tag or uh, we have a game uh, called runners and gunners or pickle like everyone's in the middle. We try to hit them with the ball as they run back and forth. <clears throat> That's a big favorite. 
And so, yeah, that's kind of how that age group works. And then there's one more group that's even younger, which is like K. So basically kindergarten through second grade. And that's where I set up like, I'll set up an obstacle course that goes around and around and around in a circle. And I'm not lying. Those kids will run through that thing for 20, 30 minutes straight, just nonstop. You know, then I'll be like, all right, let's do it backwards. And then I go the other way, you know, I'm literally just standing there. I'm just trying to make sure like some kid's not going to do a flip off a high box happens, you know? Um, and so, so that type of, that, t- that age group, they don't understand as much as about, about games. So you have to make them a little bit more simple. Um, but, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of those things uh, like we did with the older group, just a little bit more kind of elementary, I guess, you know, um, nothing structured really at all. I'm not going to say we don't do any drills with those kids, nothing like that. The warm ups are no, you know, we don't ever get in lines. I just, they literally just walk in and start. Honestly, this is, this is, I tell this, I tell this to people all the time. If I just gave those kids time and space, right two things are going to happen. They're either going to start playing some type of game where they like run, run around and tag each other, or they're going to start wrestling every time, literally every time, like they're going to start tackling each other and wrestling or start running around tagging each other or like a combination of the two. That's what's going to happen. If I just gave kids time and space, you know, so a lot of times I just do that. I'll just, I won't set anything up and the kids will come in and they'll like, look at me and I won't say a word. And then another kid walks in and before you know it, all these little kids are just playing something that they made up on their own. And then every now and then I'll like throw a ball and I'll be like, all right, let's do something with this. Or, you know, or some days they'll come in, I'll be like, Hey, and this is why this age group is so great. I'll be like, Hey, let's make an obstacle course. I want you guys to help me. So they'll be like, we'll spend 15, 20 minutes creating the space. They're not running around that much, but still like, they're like brainstorming and like, Oh, let's do this. Let's connect this to that. Half the time. It's like, totally dangerous and someone will get you know some so i gotta like sort of yeah all right let's you know that's half my half my job i think at that age too is when you're setting up the course like all right what's going to challenge them but at the same time let's not get anyone hurt you know what i mean because you know they're crazy my my youngest son he's eight he's a he sets stuff up down there on his own because he just spends so much time you've probably seen some of the videos like he's just flipping and jumping off stuff and hitting trampolines like He's out of his mind, but you know, it's my own kid. So I can sort of be a little bit more lax with him. I get a little bit more nervous when I'm, you know, working with other people's kids, but it just goes to show like growing up in that environment, he sees so much. He's like, all right, I'm going to go try this today. And he goes off and like, does some type of like, you know, gainer type flip that I never showed him. I never teach him that he just saw someone do it, or maybe he saw it on YouTube. I don't know, but then he goes down and starts exploring and figures it out. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It sounds great. So, I mean, it's, you know, often we see on paper like models of long-term athlete development and, you know, here's the idea. And often people struggle, especially if they're maybe sports coaches, struggle to see what does that look like in real life? But essentially you yep. just described it, you know, from unstructured to really structured, from completely doesn't look like what we think SNC is to your typical SNC program, you know, that kind of spectrum. But as you said, creating space and time for those younger groups to just just go at it. And one of the things I really like that you picked up on, and it's something I've certainly realized over the years, is uh, that intent from racing. One of the biggest tools I've used this year, like, you know, we'll have a weekly or every Monday, I'll do a speed session with the the athletes that I coach. And we go through the light gates. And I started doing this thing where basically your first two races are on your own and it's a qualifying round. And then we start pairing you up. 
So, you, you know, then you get two or three more races and, you know, you'll go through the gate and your partner will go through the gate. And what we see time after time after time is they won't get a PB in the first two. They'll get a PB when they're racing their friend. Um, and, you know, this is with GPS and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, so if I regress this back to my, you know, football coach on a Monday night, guess what? You don't need to spend a thousand pounds on a light gate. Just have them run races because right. you're going to get maximum intent. So, you know, sometimes it is the simplest thing. But one of the things I want to dig into that, that you obviously have posted a lot about and uh, people probably aren't that familiar with is the tumbling element. That's something I've really see you kind of put forward as saying, hey, this is something we need to be doing more of from an injury prevention perspective, but also just from a managing yourself in contact sport. So let's dig into that. Talk a little, little bit through. I know you love to get through the rolling stuff and the kids love it. So what is that? How does that kind of evolve in your sessions? Yeah, so I, I, one of the kids I've worked with uh, for the last, like, I don't know, maybe, God, he, he's 10 now. So, you know, he probably first came. He, 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 I remember his mom asking me, like, if he could just come in. He was a little bit young, and I was, like, sort of, I was sort of nervous about him coming in. And then, and then uh, she's like, no, he'll be fine. Like, he's young, but he's, he's a really good mover. I remember her telling me that. And then when the kid came in, all he did, everything he did always ended with a roll. Like he did a forward roll all the time, like everything. And I was like, well, I used to watch him all the time. And it was like a kind of like for him, it was a strategy. So anytime he got out of control, he would roll and to get himself back in control. Like that's kind of what I figured out. Like he would jump off something and really high, like he was a risk taker, but he realized and if you see parkour guys, like they, they, they do like a, they go into a roll off of this crazy huge jump right so same thing with this guy like he would jump off something and at any time he was out of he sort of felt awkward or out of position he would fall into this role and get himself back up and he would be fine and i would watch him and i was like realized like wow that's a really great strategy to, to have and so i realized that a lot of kids didn't know how to do didn't know how to roll um and so that's like i started reading gymnastics books and phys ed and i realized like some of my old phys ed books like they used to teach like kind of elementary gymnastics in or educational gymnastics in school. They just don't do it anymore because it's, you know, it's too dangerous or whatever. And so I started really kind of diving into that type of stuff and how to teach it. And um, before you know it, it started with like, just like roll, you know, just on a mat. And then before you knew you start playing with the kids, it expands from sprint, jump, roll, sprint. And then we started, jumping off things and landing and rolling. And, you know, I really think that uh, from a coordination standpoint, like I love the idea of being able to go from one movement, say a sprint to a dive, to a roll back up to your feet and run again. Like being able to transition through those movements is really great. Um, and you see it in a lot of sports too, right? So you can see a guy run with the ball, run, jump, land, you know? Um, so that, that kind of, that part of it, I really enjoy. I also think, um, kids never get upside down. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had an athlete come in and they did a roll for the first time and they get up and they're like, dizzy. Oh, I'm so dizzy. I'm like, cause you never spend any time like upside down. You never stimulate your vestibular system. And, you know, you never stimulate that part of your body because you're always just upright, you know? Um, cause you never do those things in school and gym class and in the, the sports that they play. But I'm like, what if you ever have find yourself in those positions right? What are you going to do? You need to know what to do if you find yourself upside down all of a sudden, right? So that's why, that's when it became, it expanded in my program and we had like all of our athletes do it. And it's kind of a funny story. 
we had a girl who was a field hockey player. She's actually, um, you know, she's at the University of California right now. And she's, a, you know, one of the top players in the country. She was in high school. And I remember her telling me, like, she was in a, in a, in a game and a girl hit her foot with a stick. And she went right over the top. And she, tell, she told me she's, she was, like, in the air. And she remembered how many times we did rolls in the gym. And she tucked her head, rolled, and got up out of it. And she's like, the moment it happened, I thought of you and all the times you used to make me do this stuff. So it was like from an injury standpoint, you know, learning how to fall and learning how to where you are in space. I think it's, it's a great skill to have, you know, I think it's great for all athletes. Um, the other side of it too, right. It's like a great sort of movement prep type thing. If you're going to play contact sports, football, you know, soccer, uh, lacrosse, hockey, you know, it's sort of like uh, builds a little bit of robustness and resiliency in the body. You know, you're landing on different, you know, shoulder or back or neck, you know, I think it, it sort of gets you can, can help uh, build that sort of toughness and resiliency in the body. So, you know, all across the board, I think, you know, there's so many benefits to that type of uh, activity that it has to be part of uh, athletic development program, you know? And so one of the things that I, I got involved with USA football, um, and this guy, Andy Ryland, who's the, the head of uh, the, the, the development at USA football, you know, they were trying to come up with, um, you know, tackling, like kind of rugby tackling, like, you know, safe tackling protocols, things like that. And they, you know, it was kind of, he kind of came across to me like, yeah, that's a great, like rolling and gymnastics and falling and knowing we are, knowing where you are in space, like that's a great precursor to contact sports. And I was like, it so is, it's like such a great, brilliant idea. And so some of the stuff, even though I was already doing that stuff, it just connected the dots even more for me, you know? So now everyone who comes into the gym, pretty much, I mean, we even have adults that do it because we want them to sort of know what it feels like to be upside down, uh, what it feels like to fall down and get back up again. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of neat too. You can probably, um, you, with the with adult clients, you can probably the ones that can do it. You can probably kind of marry uh, things like Turkish get-ups with like rolling and falling and things like that. You know what I mean? You can probably do those type of those type of like so the Turkish get-up in my mind is like all right, we're sort of strength training from the ground up, but the rolling and falling, we're trying to learn how to use our body from the top down. You know, so some of the some of the people that come into the gym that are capable of doing those things, I'll, I'll have them do both. Um, the other thing is too, is like, you could, it doesn't just have to be a role. Like, so I know some people are really nervous about going like forward over their head or on their shoulder. You can do stuff where you're like on the side and you can roll onto your back. You know, you can do a butt roll or a back roll, which is cool too. And one of my phys ed books, there was this thing called like a side safety roll. And it, there's no picture of it, but I, I'm guessing what it is, is like when you I've seen kids do it too. Like little kids, when they land, they jump off something, they sort of turn their body sideways and like their butt hits the ground and they roll, which is, which is a great strategy, right? It's a great way to land because it's safe. And the, and the kids like sort of can pop right back up from it. So, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like basic gymnastics type stuff. I think it crosses so many sort of dimensions as far as like younger kids learning coordination and development all the way across into, you know, athletic sports where, where you might find yourself in contact and, or in the air at some point and need to learn how to fall. And of course, down the line, being able to handle a fall as an adult, you know, and not break something, right. Being able to fall down and, and be able to get back up again. 
Mm. It's really funny as you were saying that. I actually haven't thought of this recently because I've been chatting to people a lot about gymnastic variations and tumbling and stuff. And uh, <clears throat> me and my wife were out skateboarding a good few months ago now. And I went down this tunnel and I didn't realize how steep the decline was. And I kind of picking up more and more and more pace and must have hit something. And I came off and my first instinct was to roll. If I hadn't rolled, I easily would have broken something. But, you know, as, as it happened, it kind of popped up. Now I'm fine. But it does show you, even outside of sports, like, you know, just things that happen in daily life. But having that as your instinct, instead of putting an arm out, instead of trying to stick a leg out, it's just having the comfort to, to tuck and roll, basically. It's, sure. it's definitely going to save you a few visits to the, to the emergency department. So what, what is it that you value in your sessions? Does it change from, from group to group? Is it, is it, you know, enjoyment is your top priority? Is it the exposure to movement variability? What is it that you're looking for as being your real high priorities? So I would say at the highest, the, the kids in the college level and the high school level, it's definitely technical proficiency, you know, obviously uh, pushing them to, to, you know, lift more weight or at least try to, uh, whether it's not more weight, maybe more reps, more sets, you know, different ways to, I want them to progress. Um, going down the line, uh, I want to see sort of like that, probably a little bit of both in the next age group, maybe that 11 to 13, 14 age range. Obviously, I want them to love what they're doing. Right? I want them to, to continue on later on. So I don't want them to hate it. So there needs to be a little bit of structure and organization where they learn some things, but also that other side where they really um, have fun and enjoy what they're doing there. So there's a kind of a mix there. And then finally at the bottom with the younger ages, it's like, yeah, I want, I want, I want exposure to variability. I want them to try a bunch of different things and move in a bunch of different ways. And I want them to have fun while they do it. And that's, you know, and, I, and and that's, again, like you said before, that's long-term athletic development. You want to see those stages. At some point, things get serious. Like if you want to be a good athlete or you want to be a better athlete, you're going to have to work really hard and things are going to get uncomfortable. But the way to get there is not to be uncomfortable, right? The way to get there is to have fun, enjoy it. Oh, I like this a little bit more. I'll try this. I like this. Oh, I'll try this. So as you get older, then you get more serious. You know, my son, my oldest son, he's 14 now. And, you know, he did, like, he used to come to the gym and see the older kids and he'd dabble in like, oh, I weren't, I want to learn how to deadlift today. I want to learn how to clean, you know, so he could do like a passable hand clean when he was like nine or 10, but he didn't train on it all the time. He would did it, did it for a little bit here and there and tried this and tried that. But now he's 14. He's really into high school football, basketball. He knows, you know, he's a lot more mature. He goes down himself. I don't tell him to go. He doesn't, you know, he's training, you know, he's trap bar deadlifting, he's power cleaning, he's squatting, he's doing weighted chin-ups, you know, he's as serious as any other kids we have, you know, so it's changed over the years. And, you know, I would never, I never said to him when he's eight, yeah, you need to be doing this and speed work and you need to be doing, you know, you, we need to get stronger like that. Those words never came out of my mouth and he never heard me say those things. I just let him dabble in here and there if he wanted to try it. But most of the time it was us having fun playing dodgeball chasing games you know whatever it was but we, the idea was that he enjoyed being there and the other part of it too was like uh being there um with his friends like having a crew of kids that he enjoyed being with as well so that's another part of it is like the environment as far as like socially are you having fun are you do do you like the kids you're doing this with as well you know and then as it gets older then they transition you know so he's a little bit crazy my other ones aren't as much into it yet uh, they all love to move and they all love to do different games and stuff like that, but they haven't got, 
like, you know, for example, my 12 year old hasn't got to that point. He does a little bit of strength training, but again, he, he wants to be moving around playing games and, you know, and that's cool. Like we'll do that. And when he's ready, we'll move on to the more serious stuff. Hmm. So uh, what, what are some of the things you've chosen to measure and what are some of the things you've specifically chosen not to measure in terms of your programs? I'm guessing it varies a bit in line with what you just said. Sure. Um, you know, I, I was very much into like, um, Kelvin Giles, he had his, uh, uh, what the heck's the, the physical competency, you know? So I sort of like that, uh, more than like, for example, the, uh, functional movement screen. I felt like you could do a lot more with it as far as, as far as younger kids. But I also struggled, like when I kind of put it onto younger kids, you know, some of the kids just didn't have the coordination of the movement down yet to hit some of those type of uh, assessments. And at first I was like, well, does that mean they're not going to be good athletes? But for me, it was then I realized, all right, and like he said too, is like, no, they just need to be exposed to more things. So then when you do sort of go back and reassess them, they've improved. You know what I mean? Younger kids, I don't really touch them. I probably start looking at sort of assessments and things like that when they start to hit that sort of um, growth spurt, when you start to see things grow, because that's where you see things change. You see things, you see kids losing flexibility, coordination. You know, sometimes you get fast kid and all of a sudden he's not that fast anymore. And you're like shaking your head, why? So that's when I start looking at, you know, different things. Um, single leg squat, how far can they go down? You know, can they handle their body weight, push up, obviously, um, pull up, bar hang, um, you know, speed, just short, you know, 10 yard sprint, maybe 20 yard sprint if I have the space. I don't get too, too crazy. You know, again, um, when the kids start lifting weights, you can tell they're getting stronger by how much <laughs> more weight they're putting on the bar too. So as long as they're doing it right, they're technically, they look pretty good. Um, I like that a couple, I have some baseball guys that I started training, um, in the last few years. So I got like a radar gun. So we started kind of testing how far they how hard they can throw a medicine ball off the wall or how far they can throw a medicine ball. And then of course that turns into like all the other sports, they want to start competing in that type stuff too. So, you know, we had like, a uh, we, we go outside a lot with the medicine balls and test how far the kids can just throw in different ways. So I like doing that as well, but I'm not a huge uh, assessment and, or, you know, um, you know, keeping numbers type guy. Uh, you know, if I see them getting stronger on the bar, that's, that's good for me. And, and, and the stopwatch has always been a, a handy as well. Um, you know, just to kind of look at them and see if they're progressing as far as their speed and agility goes. So I think after what I really want from my high school athletes is that they're strong enough, they're flexible, they move well. So when they do say they say they plan on going to, to play a sport in college, when that college strength coach gets them, they'll be like, oh, this guy did this kid did the right stuff. Right. And then like and then like, oh, I don't have to spend because I can tell you when I was a college strength coach, I spent a lot of time with kids, incoming freshmen who had no idea what they were doing. And it was a headache because I had to teach those kids basically from the ground up. So if I can take that headache away from that college strength coach all the better, you know? It's, I always find it's really interesting when people end up at the same conclusion from different time right. points and different things, because that's exactly where I've ended up. Like my thing is, I'm going to give you the toolkit to make the next guy's job easier. Like I, my, my gift to the next guy is that you can walk in and he goes, hey, have you ever front squatted? Oh yeah, easy, boom. Have you yep. ever done an overhead squat? Oh yeah, easy, boom. Like it's not to give you a, you know, a, an Instagram highlight back squat where everyone says, oh, you must have an awesome coach because you can squat 200. 
Like right. I'll leave that for the next guy. But my job sure. is to go, you can walk in and pretty much do any program anyone can throw at you because you've got all the composite skills. You, you, the next guy can just put them together and then he can overload them and progress them how he wants. But 100%. as you've said, it's no good if you walk in in the first six months of your career, uh, right, I need to, need to do a bit of mobility with you because you can't overhead squat and you can't do this right. and you can't do that. And oh, you've got to be in a different program because you've never done this. And I just make a headache for the next guy, but I make myself look good because you've got that 200 kilo back squat for Instagram. Right. I've actually done you a disservice. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting that people end up at a similar conclusion. But yeah, it's great to hear that our philosophy is kind of aligned on that. Why do you think your approach and your style kind of resonates with coaches? Like obviously um, in the last few years, people have shined more of a light on the kind of work that you're doing and, and kind of highlighting it as, as maybe slightly different to what's gone before. Why do you think that is? You know, I think, um, I think I probably, I think there was a, and I went through this, so I just want you to let you know, but when I was, when I, so when I first started working with kids, I sort of started, I started training them in the beginning, like I trained older athletes. And I realized that like, once the novelty wears off, they don't, the kids didn't want to do those things. They, you know, they always go back to what they love and that's movement and play. And so for me, I think I spoke out about it and I said, you know, if you're a strength and conditioning coach and you're working with kids, you don't have to train them like the older kids. There's other things that they can do. If you look at the long-term athletic development models, go back to what it says in there. It's movement and play and physical education and those things to develop them coming up. So they're ready to train more intensely and more, you know, in a more organized training program later on you don't have to have them on this organized program when they're 9 10 11 years old there's more you can do so i feel like i maybe gave some coaches permission to like ease back a little bit um not that i'm like the you know i'm the authority on everything but i probably wrote about it a lot and talk, talked about it a lot and 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 i think a lot of coaches kind of resonated because they were probably probably feeling frustrated when they couldn't get their athletes to do certain things or maybe the kids weren't into it as much as they thought they should be. Cause obviously uh, us as strength coaches, we love this stuff. So it gets us excited, but it doesn't get every kid excited, every athlete excited. You know what I mean? So I think for writing about it and getting it out there that like there's other things you can do with children prior to, you know, with the more serious training, I think was kind of maybe a breath of fresh air for some coaches and allowed them to kind of take a step back and be like less organized and let a bit, little bit more sort of, um, you know, add more variety and, and obviously, um, you know, a little bit, little bit less organized, like less organized, you know, less organization, because like, you know, that's the first thing you learn when you, when you, uh, when I was a college coach, you know, is like, get kids in line, get them, you know, everyone looks the same, get them to do this. And you're, you know, everything's like this perfect kind of grid square, everyone's running perfect. And everyone, you know, it's like, that's not, that's not what it's like when you work with children. So I think that's kind of what, probably through writing and posting I, it's probably what i think one of those things i put out there the most was like they're not little adults they're just kids i think it's really about getting comfortable with the chaos isn't it in terms of 100%. going okay from the outside this might look like everyone's just doing their own thing and there's no objective but i know what i'm trying to get out of this activity it's you know working on jumping and landing i'm doing it through an obstacle course or you know, yeah, they're chasing this ball, but what we're really doing is working on acceleration and getting a top speed effort. So like people look at it and go, this isn't showing an issue. Or this is, what is this guy doing? But actually when you go, 
what's this session about? Someone could go, well, this is the objective I'm actually trying to achieve. It's the difference between organized babysitting for an hour and it's just let the kids loose versus, okay, this looks a bit chaotic, but actually we're achieving this outcome. So there is an objective. Yep. I, I, you know, even like, um, we do a drill where like the kids run and have to dive in the air and I throw a ball and they got to catch it and they land on the crash mat. And like a lot of the kids that come into my facility play, you know, play uh, youth football or high school football. And if you, if you ever watch the game, you see those, you see those athletes hitting those positions in certain situations. You know what I mean? And so not only like, it just looks fun for most people, but like I throw the ball in different areas and force the kids to have to jump and twist and turn. And so they're sort of expanding their, sort of movement skill set by doing these different exercises, these different activities. And I'm just trying to manipulate that as much as I can, you know? So again, yeah, like you said, from the layman's point of view, it just looks like kids are having fun, but what we're, we're really doing is expanding how they move. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the more I can come up with, the more ideas, the more ways to move, the better, especially at the younger ages. So, it's a bit of the old uh, Mr. Miyagi, isn't it? Wax on, wax yeah. off. Yeah. actually, yeah, I've, yeah. Hidden, I've hidden all this great stuff in there. Yeah, you want you want them to you want them to uh, sort of I I can't remember how I said it before, but it's like you're disguising training as fun. You know what I mean? It's that's really what you're doing. So the and that's what I love to do is like sit down in my head and think of like how can I with this group of kids if I want to do this today, how can we come up with a bunch of different ways to to train this sort of one variable, right? So this, for example, like one day this idea came into my head. I was reading, I was really into reading the athletic skills model book and it kept talking about like balance and static balance and dynamic balance and kind of like balance is like interwoven into everything, right? It's like, it's like one of those universal, like kind of, kind of uh, motor my abilities, right? So I was like, I want to just have a whole session with like where we're like kind of on one foot or we're on the ground and, we're always kind of balanced and we're keeping the kids off. They're always having to work to keep themselves upright and moving. And so we, like, I just started scribbling down a bunch of different ways to do it. And at the end of the day, like we put it into practice and it like, couldn't have gone any better the session. Right. Cause the kids were just like, Whoa, what's that? They're like fighting on one leg and doing pushing and pulling with the bags. And we were doing like different types of like bear crawls where they had to roll and then side to side, but they had to like balance on two points instead of four points. And, you know, we just threw the kids way off. And after that session, I was just like, I need to do that with everything. I need to sit down and just sort of figure out all these different ways to train these abilities without them even realizing that they're training those abilities. They're just having fun or like, sort of like, what the heck's this guy doing? You know, you're almost like, would you introduce something they've never seen before? That novelty is, it's, it's great for them because they, 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 latch right onto it so so what's next for you in the next sort of year to 18 months you got any, anything coming up on the horizon or is it just more of the same yeah i mean we got so this you know winter time for us because it gets cold here it's i really busy with with the sessions that we have coming in um but i've been i've been trying to sort of basically when i have free time I've been, I have like 10 years of footage of film, just obstacle course and all the things that we do at the gym. Right. And so, but I was trying to break it down into um, a, a, basically a zoom. I was going to record myself and just, for example, like trying to develop speed, uh, speed qualities for, for young athletes. And I want it to be totally different than, than your typical like a skip 
and accelerate you know, all the stuff that everyone talks about, like top end speed, like all the track coaches talk about, not that that stuff's bad, but I'm talking between the ages of like five and 10, how do we develop those capacities? So when they do get more serious at 11, 12, 13, 14 and beyond that, those foundational qualities are in place. Right. So I don't think that has anything to do with like always having to keep track of how fast they run, you know, flying 10. I think it's more about activities that they can do that forces them that, like you were saying before, that intent. What are the different things that you can do with kids? We'll get them to give everything they got when they do these activities, because then you're going to develop the qualities that you can use later on. So I've been digging through sort of my video film, all the videos I have, and then kind of recording myself talking about it. So it's almost like a presentation that I'd love to like, you know, give out to people, whatever that I can, um, you know, cause I don't think there's anything there's there, there hasn't been much out there that I've seen. Obviously there's different talks that coaches give on, on speed development. But I, my idea was like, how do we develop it from the ground level? And then, like you said before, those track guys, they can take, they can take my kids and do all that stuff right later on with them. They can develop all those things that they want to do, but I want to see how we can, how, how, what's the best way to, to develop those speed qualities from a, from an early age. Awesome. Well, yeah. where can people find out more about, about you and your work and see some of those snapshots of your sessions? Yeah. So I, um, you know, Twitter is, is uh, my favorite. I just, I feel like Twitter's like, uh, Twitter's like where you find all the really good coaches, right? There's a lot of coaches with a lot of good dialogue and a lot of, a lot of places where you can learn a lot of things. So I, I post a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, it's just under my name and, uh, achieve performance training. And then, you know, Facebook for me is like, almost like just local. It's like people that, you know, that live in your area. So that's always good for marketing to, to, to parents. And then finally you got uh, Instagram, which is like the wild West, you know, you just never know what you're going to find on there. But, you know, I like Instagram because I can keep it. It's basically just like a history of everything we're doing. I can't tell you how many times I'm like trying to sit down and figure out, Oh, what am I going to do today with the kids? And I'll go back two years on my Instagram on this date and be like, all right, what did we do here this day? Oh man. I remember that game stuff you forget, you know, and then we'll bring it back. So I love having a kind of rolling history of what we do each day or each week that I can go back and see what we're doing or kids can go back and see like, man, look how small I was, you know, fourth grade. Now I'm, now I'm in 11th grade and I'm big and strong and jacked. But remember that stuff we did when we were kids that all helped, helped you to get to this point now, you know? So um, yeah. So Twitter, Instagram, those are probably the, the two spots that you find me the most um, and you can see the content that I have and, you know, any questions or, or uh, comments that you want to leave. So always, always entertaining. Well, mate, it's been uh, awesome chatting to you. It's, I, I feel like we could go on forever and, and there's so many highlights there in terms of little sound bites that people can, can dig into and take away. But I think it's been a real masterclass in like applied LTAD in terms of, okay, how do we, how do we make this work in the real world? with kids sure. as young as three, with, you know, your 13 year olds, your 15 year olds. So I think that's, uh, yeah, been really insightful and really helpful. So thanks for, for giving us an insight into, into the way you coach and into your programs. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, and obviously talking shops always exciting for me and hopefully someone will hear this and, you know, hear the things that we both have to say and, and be able to use that, use that in their own work as well. So appreciate you having me on. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform, as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram using the account at LTAD Network, as well as Twitter at LTAD Network, and find our website www.ltadnetwork.com.